Chapter Ten of Football Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Moscato. Football Days by William Edwards. Chapter Ten: College Traditions and Spirit. College life in America is rich in traditions. Customs are handed down class by class and year by year, until finally they acquire the force of law. Each college and university has a community life and a character of its own. The spirit of each institution abides within its walls. It cannot be invaded by an outsider or ever completely understood by one who has not grown up in it. The atmosphere of a college community is conservative. It is the outcome of generations of student custom and thought which have resolved themselves into distinct grooves. It requires a thorough understanding of the customs of college men, their antics and pranks, to appreciate the fact that the performers are simply boys carrying on the traditions of those gone before. Gray-haired graduates, who know by experience what is embodied in college spirit, join feelingly in the old customs of their college days, and in observing the new customs which have grown out of the old. These traditional customs, some of them humorous and others deeply moving in their sentiment, are among the first things that impress the freshman. He does not comprehend the meaning of them at once, nor does he realize that they are the product of generations of students, but he soon learns that there is something more powerful in college life than the brick and mortar of beautiful buildings or high passing marks in the classroom. When he comes to know the value and the underlying spirit of the traditions of his college, he treasures them among the enduring memories of his life. The businessman who never enjoyed the advantage of going to college is puzzled as he witnesses the demonstration of undergraduate life, and he fails to catch the meaning. He does not understand. It has played no part in his own experience. College customs seem absurd to him, and he fails to appreciate that in these traditions our American college spirit finds expression. As an outsider views the result of a football victory, he sees perhaps only the bitter look of defeat on the losers' faces, and is at a loss to understand the loyal spirit of thousands of graduates and undergraduates who stand and cheer their team after defeat. Such a sight, undoubtedly, impresses him, but he turns his attention to the triumphant march of the victorious sympathizers around the field and watches the winners being borne aloft by hero worshippers, while hats by the thousands are being tossed over the crossbar of the goalpost that carried the winning play. The snake dance of thousands of exulting students enlivens the scene. The spirit of glorious victory breaks loose. After the Harvard victory in 1908, in the midst of the excitement, a Harvard graduate got up from his seat, climbed over the fence, put his derby hat and bulldog pipe on the grass, walked solemnly out a few paces, turned two complete handsprings, walked back, put on his hat, picked up his pipe, climbed solemnly over the fence again, and took his place in the crowd. He was very businesslike about it and didn't say a word. He had to get it out of his system. That was all. Nobody laughed at him. One sees gray-haired men stand and cheer, sing and enthuse over their alma mater's team. For the moment, the rest of the world is forgotten. Tears come with defeat to those on the grandstand, as well as to the players, and likewise happy smiles and joyous greetings come when victory crowns the day. In the midst of a crisis in the game, men and women, old and young, break over the bounds of conventionality, get acquainted with their seatmates, and share the general excitement. 
the thrill of victory possesses them and the old grads embrace each other after a winning touchdown there may be certain streets in a college town upon which a freshman is never seen it may be that a freshman has to wear a certain kind of cap his trousers must not be rolled up at the bottom and if you should see a freshman standing on a balcony at night singing some foolish song with a crowd of sophomores standing below you smile as you realize that you are witnessing the performance of some college custom and if you see a young man dressed in an absurd fantastic costume going about the streets of a city or a quiet college town it may mean an initiation into a certain society or club and you will note that he does his part with a quiet earnest look upon his face realizing that he is carrying on a tradition which has endured for years you hear the seniors singing on the campus while the whole college listens it is their hour at games you see the cheerleaders take their places in front of the grandstand as they bend and double themselves into all sorts of shapes they bring out the cheers which go to make college spirit strong if you were at yale on what is known as tap day you would view in wonderment the solemnity and seriousness of the occasion an election to a senior society is yale's highest honor as you sit on the old yale fence you realize what it means to yale men in the secret life of the campus men yearn most for this honor and the traditional gathering of seniors under the oak tree for receiving elections is a college custom that has all the binding force of a most rigid law alumni parades then come the alumni parades at commencement the old-timers head the procession those who came first are first in line and so on down to the youngest and most recent graduate there are many interesting things in the parade which bring out specific class peculiarities in one college you may see gray-haired men walking behind an immense sacred bird as it is called this bird the creation of an ingenious mind is the size of an ostrich and has all the semblance of life with many lifelike tricks and habits men dress in all sorts of costumes this is a day in which each class has some peculiar part and all are united in one big thought that it is a cherished college custom you may see some man with the letter of his college on his sweater another may have his class numerals another may wear a gold football these are not ordinary things to be purchased at sporting goods stores they are a reward of merit the college custom has made it so and if in some college town the traditions of the university are such that a man as he passes the ma newell gateway at cambridge raises his hat in honor of his great harvard hero it is a tradition backed up by a wonderful spirit of love towards one who has gone and then on commencement day when the seniors plant their class ivy that is a token to remain behind them and flourish long after they are out in the wide wide world college tradition makes it possible for a poor boy to get an education the poor fellow may wait on the table where sit many rich men's sons but they may be all chums with him they are on the same footing the campus of one is the campus of the other and all you can say is it is just the way of things just the way it must be more power to the man who works his way through college it may be as fellow college man you are now recalling some custom that is carried out on a college street in a dormitory in a fraternity house perhaps or a club perhaps in some boarding house where you had your first introduction to a college custom maybe in the cheapest rooming house in town you got your first impression of a bold bad sophomore you probably could have given a good trouncing had he been alone and yet you were prepared to take smilingly the hazing imposed upon you 
maybe some of you fondly recall a cannon struck in the ground behind a historical building where once george washington had his headquarters around about this traditional monument cluster rich memories as you review the many college ceremonies enacted there some of you owing allegiance to a new england alma mater may recall with smiles and perhaps mischievous satisfaction the checkered career of the sculptured sabrina in her various appearances and disappearances since the day now long gone by when in pedestaled repose she graced the college flower gardens the sabrina tradition is one of the golden legacies of amherst life in the formation of college spirit and traditions i am not unmindful of the tremendous moulding power of the college president or the popular college professors this is strikingly illustrated in the expression of an old college man who said in his connection i don't remember a thing professor blank said but i remember him when the graduate of a college has sons of his own he realizes more fully than at any other time the great influence of personality upon youth he understands better the problems that are faced by boys and the great task and responsibility of the faculty i know that there are many football men who at different times in their career have not always praised the work of the college professors but now that the games are over they probably look back affectionately to the men who made them toe the mark and by such earnestness help them through their college career it is undoubtedly true that the headmasters and teachers in our preparatory schools and colleges generally appreciate the importance of developing the whole man mental moral and physical schoolmaster and boy indeed it is a wonderful privilege to work shoulder to shoulder with the boys in our preparatory schools as well as in our colleges at a recent dinner i heard dr s j mcpherson of the lawrenceville school place before an alumni gathering a sentiment which i believe is the sentiment of every worthy schoolmaster in our land schoolmasters have attractive work and they can find no end of fun in it i admit that in a boarding school they should be willing to spend themselves eight days in the week and twenty-five hours a day but no man goes far that keeps watching the clock there may be good reasons for long vacations but i regard the summer vacation as usually a bore for at least half the length of it to be worth his salt a schoolmaster must of course have scholarship the more the better but that alone will never make him a quickening teacher he must be apt to teach and must lose himself in his task if he is to transfuse his blood into the veins of boys above all he must be a real man and not a mannequin and he must enjoy his boys love them without being quite conscious of the love or at least without harping on it the ideal schoolmaster needs five special and spiritual senses common sense the sense of justice the sense of honor the sense of youth and the sense of humor these five gifts are very useful in every worthy occupation gentlemen none of us schoolmasters has reached the ideal however we reach after it nevertheless we neither need nor desire your pity we do not feel unimportant personally i would not exchange jobs with the richest or greatest among you i like my own job it really looks to me bigger and finer i should rather have the right mold and put the right stamp on a wholesome boy than to do any other thing it counts more for the world and is more nearly immortal it is worth any man's life another factor in the formation and development of college traditions and college spirit is the influence of the men who shape the athletic policy when one of the graduates returns to direct the athletic affairs of his alma mater 
or those of another college, he naturally becomes a potent influence in the life of the students. Great is his opportunity for character-making. The men all look up to him, and the spirit of hero-worship is present everywhere. Such athletic directors are chosen largely because of their success on the athletic field, and when one can combine athletic directorship with scholastic knowledge, the combination is doubly effective. By association they know the real spirit and patriotic sentiment of the college men. They appreciate the fact that success in athletics, like success in life, depends not merely upon training the head, but upon training the will. Huxley said that the true object of all education was to develop ability to do the thing that ought to be done when it ought to be done, whether one felt like doing it or not. Prompt obedience to rules and regulations develop character, and the athletic director becomes, therefore, one of the most important of college instructors. A boy may be a welcher in his classroom work, but when he gets out on the athletic field and meets the eye of a man who is bound to get the most out of every player for the sake of his own reputation, as well as the reputation of the school or college, that boy finds himself in a new school. It is the school of discipline that resembles more nearly than anything else the competitive struggle in the business life of the outside world that he is soon to enter. Another exceedingly valuable trait that athletic life develops in a student is the spirit of honorable victory. The player is taught to win, to be sure, but he is also taught that victory must never overshadow honor. Who misses or wins the prize? Go lose or conquer as you can, but if you fail or if you rise, be each pray God a gentleman. This tradition and atmosphere cannot be retained in institutions merely by the efforts of the students. The cooperation of the alumni is necessary. Upon this account, is unfortunate that the point of view of too many college men regarding their alma mater is limited to the years of their own school and college days. Our universities especially are beginning to learn that this has been a great mistake, and that the continued interest and loyalty of the alumni are absolutely essential to ensure progress and maintain the high standard of an institution. There is, in other words, a real sense in which the college belongs to the alumni. The faculty is engaged for a specific purpose, and their great work is made much more profitable by the hearty cooperation of the old and young graduates, who keep in close touch with the happenings and the spirit of their different alma maters. One of the best assets in any seat of learning is the constructive criticism of the alumni. Broad-minded faculties invite intelligent criticism from the graduate body, and they usually get it. But after all, the real power of enthusiasm behind college traditions abides in the student body itself. How is this college patriotism aroused? What are its manifestations? What is it that awakens the desire for victory with honor, which is the real background of the great football demonstration that tens of thousands of Americans witness each year? As I think back in this connection upon my own college experiences, the athletic mass meeting stands out in my memory and records the moment when all that was best and strongest in my fighting spirit and manhood came out to meet the demand of the athletic leaders. It was at that time that the thrill and power of college spirit took mighty possession of me. It might have been the inspiring words of an old college leader addressing us, or perhaps it was the story of some incident that brought out the deep significance of the coming game. Indeed, I have often thought that the spirit of loyalty and sacrifice aroused in the breast of the young man in a college mass meeting springs from the same noble source as the highest patriotism. Mass Meeting Enthusiasm 
how well do i recall the mass meeting held by the undergraduates in alexander hall thursday night before the yale game in eighteen ninety eight the team and substitutes sat in the front row of seats there was singing and cheering that aroused every man in the room to the highest pitch of enthusiasm all eyes were focused on the cheerleader as he rehearsed the cheers and songs for the game and as the speakers entered behind him on the platform they received a royal welcome there was johnny poe alex moffat some of the professors including jack hibben since professor of princeton in addition to the coaches i can almost hear again their words as they addressed the gathering fellows we are here to-night to get ready to defeat yale on saturday you men all know how hard the coaches have worked this year to get the team ready for the last big game captain hillebrand and his men know that the college is with the team to a man we are not here to-night to make college spirit but we are here to demonstrate it those of you who saw last year's team go down to defeat at new haven realize the princeton team this year has got to square that defeat gary cochran and the other men who graduated are not here to play the burden rests on the shoulders of the men in front of me this year's team and we know what they're going to do it is going to take the hardest kind of work to beat yale on our own grounds we must play them off their feet the first five minutes i wonder if you men who are in princeton to-day truly realize the great tradition of this dear college thousands and thousands of young men have walked across the same campus you travel the princeton of years gone by is your princeton to-day so let us ever hold a high regard for those whose places we now occupy already from far-off points princeton men are starting back to see the yale game back to their alma mater they're coming back to see the old rooms they used to live in and it is up to us to make their visit a memorable one you can do that by beating yale george k edwards many of you men have perhaps heard of the great love for princeton shown in the story of the last days of horse edwards princeton eighty nine he will never return to princeton again he used to live in east college long since torn down some years after he left college he was told that he had but a few short months to live he decided to live them out at princeton one friday afternoon in the summer of eighteen ninety seven horse edwards arrived in princeton from colorado he was very weak from his illness he could barely raise his hand to wave to the host of old friends who greeted him as he drove from the station to east college where his old room had been arranged as in his college days for his return there he was visited by many friends of the old days who had come back for commencement old memories were revived that night he attended his club dinner and the following day was wheeled out to the field to see the baseball game princeton beat yale sixteen to eight and his cup of happiness was overflowing on the following monday horse edwards died he told his close friends that as long as he had to go he was happy that he had been granted his last wish to die there at princeton and his memory is a treasured college tradition job e hedges among the men who are always welcome at princeton mass meetings and dinners is job e hedges i remember what he said at a mass meeting at princeton in eighteen ninety six he was then secretary to mayor strong in new york in which city the game with yale took place that year the scene was in the old gymnasium every inch of space was occupied on the front seats sat the team and substitutes around them and in the small gallery were the students in mass before the team were prominent alumni trustees and some members of the faculty earnest appeal had been 
made by the various speakers tending to rouse the team to a high point of enthusiasm and courage and the interest of their alma mater and of the alumni had been earnestly pictured mr hedges was called on as he frequently is at princeton gatherings and as the usual field had been fairly covered his opportunities were limited without repetition of what had been said he addressed the team and substitutes in typical princeton fashion and concluded so far as a record is made of it somewhat as follows there is a feeling in the public mind that football games breed dissipation and are naturally followed by unseemly conduct we all know that much of the excitement following football games in new york is due largely not to college men but others who take the game as an excuse and at the time as an opportunity to indulge in more or less boisterous conduct than freedom from interference usually accorded at that time i wish it thoroughly understood that in no way as a princeton man do i countenance dissipation intemperance boisterous or unseemly conduct it may be a comfort for you men to know however that i am personally acquainted with every police magistrate in the city of new york while i do not claim to have any influence with them nor would i try to exercise it improperly nevertheless if the team wins and any man should unintentionally and weakly yield to the strain consequent upon such a victory i can be found that night at my residence any delinquent will have my sympathetic and best efforts in his behalf if however the team loses and any one goes over the line of propriety he will have from me neither sympathy nor assistance and i shall be absent from the city it is related that on that night following the victory several daring spirits decorated themselves with cards hung from their necks bearing this legend don't arrest me i am a friend of job hedges with these they marched up and down broadway and though laboring under somewhat strange conditions were not molested a full account of this expeditionary force appeared in the daily papers the next morning and it is related that there was a brisk conversation between mr hedges and the mayor when the former arrived at the city hall which took on not an orange and black hue but rather a lurid flame of which mayor strong was supposed to be but was not the victim the net result of the scene however was that the team won there was a moderate celebration and no princeton man was arrested End of chapter ten recording by pam moscato